Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. Coming up, another New Zealand rowing crew is heading to the Rio Olympics at the hands of Russian drug cheats. We review the recent All Blacks Test Series against Wales after the start of their new four-year cycle. Two new sports are being added to the Rio Olympics, but it's not all rosy for one of them. Mark Todd is set to become New Zealand's most capped Olympian, Lydia Ko takes a big lesson out of her latest win on the LPGA Tour, and is Sir Peter Snell's famous Olympic singlet a fake? To Papa, seemed to believe so. Russian drug cheats have opened the way for an 11th New Zealand rowing crew to compete at the Rio Olympics. The men's quadruple skull of George Bridgewater, Nathan Flannery and Jade Uru have been confirmed as the 11th New Zealand crew to compete at the Games after a member of the Russian quad was banned for failing a doping test. The Russian crew won the last chance qualifying regatta in Lucerne to advance to the Rio Games, with New Zealand finishing third and missing out by just one place. George Bridgewater told sports editor Stephen Houston he refused to believe he wasn't going to Rio. There was certainly, as we crossed the finish line, um, in Lucerne, we finished in third place and we needed a top two finish. Um, for me, it was kind of, uh, you know, that was it. It was, uh, that was the end. And, um, it's been, it had been a great two years. And I, um, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, I loved every, every, um, not, perhaps not every day, but I loved, uh, most of it. And, um, the, yeah, just, just, um, just to have that sort of, I just, I guess that dream. Um, refloated um, in this in this last week has just just been a, I guess a new sense of life. It, it must have been difficult though getting back out on the water, being in that in that limbo. Uh, you know, it actually wasn't. It, it's um, you know just because um, of what we had seen, um, and, and and I suppose being an athlete, you, you kind of do play mental tricks on yourself a little bit of the time, and, and you know, like for example. Personally, I tripped myself into believing that it was going to happen, so um, I wouldn't entertain the thought that there was a risk um, that that we weren't going to go. And, and I mean, clearly there was, but uh, it's just too difficult to to get motivated to go. And it's been a particularly wet week um, in Cambridge, and uh, you know, getting getting back into the things, you, you know, you sort of it's a bit of a shock. But yeah, hey, we've got a great bunch of guys now. We've been through a lot together. Um, and and you know it, it's 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 a lot easier when you're doing it with with uh, other people. And you're optimistic about your medal chances. Look, I think um, I think I think the I've always said uh, that the, I, I feel the crews that do qualify at this qualification regatta um, do have some very good medal chances at, at, at the Rio because the field and the men's quad is particularly close. Um, it's also particularly fickle, um, and and there's you know there there are a lot of uh, Different results on the day, just depending on who really strings together the best uh, emotional and physical 
and mental performance um, on the day. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of variables. The bigger the boat you get, the, the more variables you've got. So, um, yeah, I, I really do think that um, it's, it's a possibility. I mean, we haven't had the ideal build-up now, but um, you know, you, you, you take you take things out of that. You, you always take your situation and try to turn it into a positive. For example, we've had four weeks out, but we've, we've been able to mentally reset. So I think we'll use that. We'll also use the the pain of missing out to drive us a little bit in, in, you know, in the next few weeks. And um, I, look, I don't think motivation is going to be an issue at all. How disappointing is it that it's come about, I suppose, through doping and rowing, which obviously... The, the impact that that has on on the sport, I mean it's it's simply part of life, I suppose. When, when you look at international sport, but but it's still presumably disappointing from from your point of view. Absolutely, um, you know, I, I, I mean, doping is a, is a cancer in sport. It's just it's 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 terrible, and uh, it it changes the way that people view sport as well, and. Um, you know, I, I, I've always felt that rowing has, has been uh, somewhat immune from it just by virtue that it's not really a uh, spectator sport and there's not a lot of money involved. Um, but, you know, there, there's, there's all sorts of people have got different incentives and, and um, to, to why they feel that they need to win. And, and uh, you know, some people obviously go go and, and do it in an untoward way. And, and um, yeah, it, it's... I'm, I'm very glad that um, the, the system has picked up um, these, these dopers in this case. Um, and, you know, you, you always hope that your sport's clean. And, and you know, but I think I think now nowadays or, or, or whenever, um, it's potentially a little bit naive to think that it's not um, completely clean. So it's just a matter of uh, making sure, I suppose, that they stay on top of it. And, um, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I, th- I think I've always liked to think that uh, rowing is a relatively clean sport compared to other sports. Super Rugby is back on after a month off as the All Blacks completed a three-test clean sweep of Wales. The Test Series marked the start of a new era for the All Blacks with the likes of Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu having retired from the international scene. RNZ Sports Editor Stephen Hewson sat down with rugby reporter Joe Porter to discuss the outcomes of the tour and consider just how the Southern Hemisphere may shape up ahead of the upcoming rugby championship. Well, Joe, we've got to the uh, end of the uh, three-test series against Wales. What have we learnt as regards the All Blacks? Well, they certainly made the transition from the post-World Cup era to the new brand of All Blacks fairly easily. The loss of Richie McCaw and Dan Carter and several other veterans has been accounted for fairly easily considering um, the loss of over 500 test caps worth of experience. Aaron Cruden at first five looks like he's probably nailed down that spot despite Bowden Barrett having a starring role off the bench. I think that's where the All Blacks will keep Bowden Barrett for the rest of the rugby championship. The midfield looks to be the area of the biggest concern. Ryan Crotty and Malakai Fekitoa never really convincingly gelled in those first two tests before Fekitoa was, was ruled out for the third. George Mawala started in the third test and was quite impressive, though he now has an elbow injury that'll keep him out of Super Rugby for a month, so his chances of making the Rugby Championship squad may be a little hurt by that. Kieran Reid has been pretty impressive at captain, taking over in the Richie McCaw-esque type role of really leading by example and leading from the front. He was one of the All Blacks' best players throughout the series. And of course they beat Wales 3-0 by 40 points in the final test in Dunedin under the roof where they really ran rampant. So 
an increase in performance from the All Blacks. I guess it was almost the opposite for the Welsh. They were tired at the end of their season, and that third test they looked like they re- were ready to get on the plane and go back home. Uh, and the impact of the All Blacks bench was another thing that really stood out, just how impressive the guys like Artie Savia were coming on and making a market impact on the game, and, and really that's where the All Blacks do kick on that final 20 minutes. That pattern continues where... 18-15 to Wales at halftime. Again, it was an 18-point win to the All Blacks by the end of full-time. That last 20 minutes, they'd just blow teams off the park with that high-intensity, high-speed game plan. Do, do you think Steve Hansen's looking at that midfield and does have concerns? I mean, it's pretty tough replacing a combination like Ma Nono and Conrad Smith, and I suppose what we've seen uh, only further underlines that their... Well, or what they did bring to the All Blacks over the last sort of, seven or eight years. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's that understanding they had as players, that unspoken understanding between each other as a combination where they knew where to be on defence, they knew who would cover each other, they knew on attack instinctively where the other one would be and they just had that unspoken combination that only comes from time spent together. So that has been the most marked loss, I guess, for the All Blacks. The most obvious loss for them has been in the midfield where they just didn't look convincing against Wales. However, Sonny Bill Williams only misses the first test of the Rugby Championship before he returns from the uh, Olympic Sevens team, so I don't think Hanson will be terribly concerned. Once Sonny Bill comes back, he'll return to his combination with Malakai Fikitoa, which they used at the World Cup to some success, and I think that'll be all right, but certainly Ryan Crotty's time in the All Black jersey may be a little numbered. He didn't really cement his spot as the first choice, second five, and... I'm pretty sure Hanson will be quite keen for Sonny Bill to come back as soon as possible. Sam Kane, what, what did you make of his sort of fist of the number seven jersey? You mentioned there about Adi Savia. Yeah. Is it going to be a case of Sam Kane's been waiting in the wings under Richie McCaw so long and all of a sudden he might well be overtaken by Adi Savia? Yeah, well, Savia, like you say, was sensational off the bench, scoring tries and, and having a hand and, and a lot of the All Blacks' impressive play in that last 20 minutes. However, the All Blacks coaches have maintained throughout the series that Sam Kane is still their first choice number seven and that the two of them work very well in combination and provide two different roles the All Blacks starting open side role is to be a little bit more like a forager disrupt the opposition's ball and make a lot of tackles and kind of I guess wear the opposition breakdown down and then Artie comes on with his speed and power and athleticism and can just when the, when the Welsh for example were already quite tired can just run ragged and run them around the field so I think they're quite happy with the way those two work as a starting bench combination and I don't think they'll thrust Artie into the starting role just yet, although there are plenty of pundits clamouring for it. Sam Kane, perhaps not the most obvious of contributions, but he did make a bucket load of tackles, and the stats suggested that he worked very, very hard and did exactly what the All Blacks wanted to of him in that core starting role. Would you have liked to have seen more opportunity for Valima Sopawanga? Yes, I would have, actually. He has obviously made an impressive start to his All Blacks career in South Africa, the cauldron of Johannesburg. Alice Park leading them to a come-from-behind win Quite incredible last year in the rugby championship. What an amazing sort of level headedness and calm nerves, considering it was a starting debut. Only given a run off the bench in Dunedin, and that may have almost been token in front of his Highlanders home crowd. So it would have been nice to see more of him and what he's like in that starting role, particularly. We saw what Barrett could do. He wasn't terribly convincing in the starting role. Obviously, he has a lot of strengths in his running game and his ability to break open defences. But his decision-making still leaves a little bit to be desired, and that's why Cruden, I guess, is the starting choice. Lima had looked good in that test against South Africa and was obviously leading the Highlanders around the track very well, so it would be interesting to see whether or not he can start in that role and and Bowden remain on the bench. So it would have been nice to perhaps see him get a crack in that third test, but 
I guess with Bowden's performances off the bench, he deserved to get a start at first five. Uh, I mean, I know it's a few weeks now before the rugby championship gets underway, but uh, just maybe your, your general thoughts heading into that, given what we've seen with England beating Australia and um, South Africa just sort of sneaking past Ireland. Yeah, that's right. It's certainly a, a 3 0 whitewash in Australia. Not many people will have predicted that. Eddie Jones coming down and rubbing salt into the wounds of his old Randwick teammate, Michael Checker, the Wallabies coach. I don't think Steve Hansen will be terribly concerned, though. The Wallabies weren't overly impressive in that series. And I think the All Blacks would have pumped them by a lot more than the English did. Uh, South Africa Island was a split series, I guess, result in a way. Um, and again, the Northern Hemisphere teams are certainly up the ante in terms of their running game. And South Africa maybe look a little bit stayed under Alistair Coetzee, a new coach, just kind of finding their feet a little bit. There's also talk of a little bit of racial ructions amongst their squad as well, so they've got a few things going on. And I'm not sure if South Africa will maybe be as strong as as other teams would have liked in this championship. They they kind of had their last roll of the dice at the World Cup last year with some of their older veterans, and they came up short, and I think this year they might struggle a little bit. The Wallabies are concerning because you want them to be good, and they got po- actually, yeah three and a whitewash to England. So, again... I think they'll come right for the rugby championship. They get six or seven 60-plus test cap veterans back from Europe. The guy likes of Matt Gateau and Drew Mitchell, amongst others. So that will certainly bolster up the squad a lot. And I think Michael Checker will have, will, under, with a little bit more time with that squad and bringing those veteran guys back in who were there at the World Cup, they'll be a different beast come the rugby championship. But the All Blacks will be very confident. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast brought to you by RNZ Sport. Two new sports will feature in the Rio Olympics in August, but already doubts are being cast about the future of one of them. Golf returns to the programme for the first time in more than a century, while Rugby Sevens makes its first appearance. While there's plenty of excitement surrounding the Sevens, the same can't be said for golf. Five of the world's top 15 male golfers have already pulled out of the Olympics, and there are warning signs its return to the Games could be short-lived. International Olympic Committee member Barry Maester, the former NZOC Secretary-General, is responsible for selecting and reviewing the Olympic sports. He says any discipline that doesn't have its top field competing will be looked at closely. If you want the best there and you end up with any sort of uh, allegation of a second-rate tournament, and I'm not suggesting we have that situation at all, but if it arose, I would be appalled. And and I would be thinking that, that any sport that is in that position would have to question whether it should be on the program. Golf is guaranteed only for the Rio Games and the 2020 Olympics. And Maester says players will need to show a bit more enthusiasm if it's to continue beyond then. World number one Jason Day from Australia and Northern Ireland's four-time major winner Rory McIlroy are among those skipping Rio, both citing fears of the Zika virus. Former New Zealand professional turned PGA Tour commentator Phil Tatarangi says a number of professionals simply don't consider the Olympics a priority. No professional golfer uh, at the start of the season would have traded a, a gold medal at Rio for one of the four major championships, certainly in the men. I can't speak from the woman's standpoint, um, but I would hazard to guess that that would be the case as well. The major championships are those that you judge yourself by, those are the ones that you are judged by when your career is done. However, none of the top women golfers have pulled out, and the sport remains a strong medal hope for New Zealand, with Lydia Ko keen to compete. Now here comes Goss, Goss, the big Rugby Sevens is new to the Olympics this year, and unlike golf, its game's future looks brighter. 
The sport is continuing to grow globally and there's been huge competition for nations to qualify for Rio. New Zealand rugby boss Steve Chu says he wants to see more women take up rugby and having a sevens competition for women at Rio should give the sport a big boost. The Black Ferns have been remarkably successful but not attracted an enormous amount of interest whereas all of a sudden you have a sevens team um, going to Women's World Series throughout the year opportunity to be a, largely a professional athlete and um, the pinnacle of that is to represent your country at the Olympics um, and so that's given us an enormous boost in the, in the women's game. The New Zealand Sevens squad includes Portia Woodman whose father and uncle were All Blacks and who switched to rugby after playing top level netball. The 24 year old says she's been surprised by the amount of interest being shown by young fans. We've had a lot of young girls and they're like oh my gosh can you please sign these things and you get a photo of them and they're absolutely ecstatic with they've got signed jersey or signed ball like we're inspiring and that is part of our vision to inspire the world with the black jersey and I think we're doing that and if we get a good result in Rio it will definitely help inspire the world some more. The New Zealand Rugby 7 squad for Rio will be named on Sunday. And you can hear more about the two new sports at the Olympics on Insight just after the 8 o'clock news on Sunday morning. So Mark Todd has become New Zealand's most capped Olympian. Earlier this week he was named in the New Zealand equestrian team for Rio. It'll be his 8th Olympics. He told RNZ's Paloma Magoni he's delighted to be in the team and he's not just going along for the ride, he's planning to be on the podium when the medals are handed out. It's a little bit harder when you get a bit older but I'm very fortunate, I'm in pretty good shape. I don't actually feel any different than I did 30 years ago. Uh, well not a lot. Age doesn't really make a difference uh, in this sport too much and you know, experience counts for a lot and I've got a lot of that. What do you think your chances are for you and for the New Zealand team? I've got two horses selected and there's not a lot between them both. I'd be happy to ride either one. Both have very good form at top international competitions so if we can get there in really good form and perform to the best of our ability I think you know we've certainly got a chance of a medal. And the team is very strong. We've got four good riders and good horses. There's no real weak link in the team. So I think that in itself is a strength. And uh, you know, the way we've been performing in the last 12 months, I think the team's certainly got a very strong chance for medal. So what horses have you decided to take? I'm nominated on Leonidas and also NZB Campino. Of course, we can only take one horse. They both have uh, one more competition before they travel. And I guess uh, the decision will be made by the selectors and myself uh, as close to leaving as possible. This will be your eighth Olympics. You've won two gold medals. you really got nothing left to prove. Why keep going? What drives you? I love the competition. I love riding horses. And, you know, Olympic Games are very special. And uh, I certainly, 30-odd years ago when I did my first Olympics, never imagined that I'd still be doing it now. But, you know, I still have a passion for it. I still, I still love doing it. And I'm still... Uh, enjoy being competitive and I love being on the New Zealand team and being part of the team going to the, the Games. What do you think are going to be the challenges of riding in Brazil? You know, every Olympics you go to has its own little challenges and, and, and I'm sure with Rio there, there will be some that we have to adapt to but that's part of being in the Olympic Games. You know, you have to be able to adapt to the local conditions and I think that's where experience plays a big part as well. And so will this be your last Olympics do you think? Um, I'm not making any predictions. You know, more than likely I'd say yes, but, you know, you never know how I'm feeling in four years' time. Sir Mark Todd talking to Paloma Magoni.
New Zealand golfer Lydia Ko won her third LPGA Tour title of the year this week at the latest event in Arkansas. The 19-year-old was in a share of the lead with American Morgan Pressel at the start of the final round before she made five birdies on the front nine to all but seal victory. Coming down the final hole of the tournament, the par 5 18th, Ko had a four-shot lead. Playing safe, she decided to lay up with her second, but it found water. Ko recovered and ended up going on to win by three shots, but she told me that she may not play safe next time. I hit the ball really well at the front nine. As I went to the back nine, I was pulling a few of my shots, um, and I think that just kind of carried on into that second shot. Uh, you know, I was planning on laying up uh, right of that hazard. I knew that if I did pull it, I would go in the water, but uh, I, I trusted my iron. Um, ended up, you know, I ended up pulling it and it went in the water, but unfortunately at that stage I had four shots lead, but you know, if I had a one-shot lead or you know, something like that, that definitely wouldn't have been the smartest uh, option, but, um, you know, it, it's it's I think it's it's a learning point. I uh, you know uh, nothing's perfect, uh, but you no, know, it's it's something that I'll learn. Uh, you know, going into the next few years that I'll be back at playing this tournament. Um, going into this event, uh, or winning this event, even must uh, be quite reassuring after uh, what happened at the women's uh, PGA Championship. Uh, you know, I played really solid uh, at Sahali. Um, so you know, even though. I, I did end up coming second. Um, I just knew that I had a lot of positives to take from that week. And uh, no, I played uh, well last week in Michigan. So like, going into this week uh, gave me confidence. And, you know, this last three stretch of events, I played solid. So, um, you know, I'm I'm happy um, with with the way uh, it has ended up. Um, and you know, it's definitely going to give me uh, you know, confidence going into uh, quarter of all. Um, but, you know, I... I, I'm going to enjoy the week off uh, next week um, and uh, you know, be excited to you know, get back into it um, in, in, in a few weeks, no, in two weeks. Yeah. The US Open is, uh, I'm guessing, that tournament you're talking about there. Um, are you confident going into that after this week's performance that you're going to be right up there again uh, come, come Sunday? Every week is a new week, um, and you know you just you you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, even from day to day, it can be different. But you know, I I think that definitely gives me confidence. Uh, you know, going into uh, going into the U.S. Open. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's exciting times, and you know, there's so much to enjoy uh, um, enjoy about the U.S. Open. Uh, and you know, I I love going and playing in California on the West Coast. So, I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, I, I've got to take some good rest next week uh, and also prepare well for it. Just uh, finally, um, in a f- only about two months now, we've got the Olympics. A lot of the men have been pulling out, but you're still committed to going and representing New Zealand? Yeah, you know, I'm super excited about the Olympics. Uh, I think it's it's a w- great way to grow the game. Um, and, you know, it's uh, I think it's going to open up more opportunities for golf. And, you know, as a fan of sports myself, I think uh, I've looked at, you know, the, turned on the TV and you know, learned about other athletes and other sports. So this is a way on, you know, I think people learning more about golf. Um, and I think this is, you know, going to be uh, just a, an exciting time. And you know, for the golf to return, uh, you know, for the men's side and for the women's to be there the first time, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Um, you know, the world's best, uh, you know, experts are are handling the situation, you know, with the Zika. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that that has 
it has uh it's it's going on but you know you just got to be uh you know confident uh and uh, you know supportive of the people that are there handling it and uh you know the world's best people are there so we just got to um just uh, trust them is it from your perspective at all um i guess upsetting that some of the likes of Rory are pulling out or do you understand where they're coming from I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you can both look at both ways, but you, you can't, um, you know, I, I think I, I can't really speak for them. Uh, you know, they obviously had good reason to on why they wanted to pull out. Uh, and, you know, you, you have to, you know, understand that. And, you know, every player is different. Obviously, it would have been great you know, if they did uh, end up playing. But, you know, you, you have to, I think, understand uh, and, you know, support their decisions. That was my interview with Lydia Ko. The New Zealand tennis number one Marina Arakovic says this year has been among the hardest of her professional career. Arakovic is through to the third round of Wimbledon after battling to a 4-6, 7-6, 8-6 win over the former world number one Yelena Jankovic in two and a half hours. Going into the tournament, the 28-year-old Arakovic's world ranking had slipped to 149 from a career high of 39, but she says the last couple of weeks have boosted her confidence. She spoke to Dave Luddy about reaching the last 32. I didn't start too well, you know, I rusty start, uh, Yelena got up 4-1, and then I kind of sort of found my rhythm a little bit, but... Um, not until sort of end of that first set, beginning of the second, did I sort of find um, a way to play, felt more comfortable out there. And overall, you know, I, I sort of saw Yelena, you know, she she started very well and then she sort of, you know, lost a little bit, not, not as, she wasn't moving as well, especially towards the end of the second set. Um, and that sort of spurred me on. And, you know, I just, I just felt like just chipping away at it, just keep going. And obviously, you know, there were a few hiccups from my side, you know, serving it out in the third. Um, things could have gone a bit easier. But, you know, that's that's tennis, that's nerves, that's, you know, that's part of the game. And I just I just tried to take it on the chin and move on, you know. Like, um, you see so many matches out there today, players having their chances, losing their chances. It happens to everybody, you know. And Yelena Jankovic, she's just so difficult to play because you... You feel that you don't know what she's going to come up with next. Could be a brilliant shot. Could be not so good shot. Well, I mean, with Yelena, it's it's you know her back end's a very good shot, you know, and and for me that was one of the things I always had to look out for and try to direct it more to her forehand, and um, you know, obviously I really had to stick my slice when playing to her back end because she really likes that inside out down the line back end and. You know, she served well. Um, I felt like I, I returned well, and that helped me a lot today. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was just uh, it was a, a tough match. It was, you know, it was a grind for the both of us. And I mean, what can I say? I'm just very happy that I got through. And you, you did look so confident. And when they came to those crucial points right at the end, you won them well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's not easier. But you know, when you just served it out and you lost it and then you have to go again I guess in a way you've been through it and now it's a little bit easier um, so I just tried to be calm and I just told myself after I lost that first service game just you know do the best you can you know and it happens and then in that service game I just felt like okay you know try and get your first serve in, try and get it to the right spot and then go from there and and just keep it simple. 
into the last 32 of Wimbledon for the third time. How much does that give you confidence to get back inside the top 100 and, hey, beat your best, which is 39 in the world? Um, you know, for me, uh, this year, you know, has, has been probably one of the hardest years I've ever faced. Um, coming back from a knee issue, you know, being on the road already for so many years, and uh, it's it's sometimes very hard, you know. Um, I'm very far away from home. New Zealand's not exactly somewhere you can stop over for a week or two. Um, and for me, this, you know, last couple of weeks, just getting through qualies as well, get, getting through those little, you know, moments and hiccups and everything, just the fight has been really, really good for me personally you know and um yeah tennis is a strange game you know and you definitely have your highs and lows and i you know i'm very happy that i get to play this year again at wimbledon you know i didn't know if it was going to happen five wonderful wins as you say three in the qualifying two in the main round now you've got the world number 13 carlos suarez navarro of spain you must go into it confident yeah, I mean, um, gosh, Carla and I played um, one. Oh, I can't. Don't. Every time I look back, I always get it wrong. But I definitely know I've lost once and I've won once. So, you know, obviously Carla has got a very, very good hands, good slice, nice back, one-handed backhand. You know, and uses the court very well. But um, you know, like I said to you a few days ago, if I play my game and if I do my thing, you know, I'll back myself. So. Just go into it like the same way. Marina Arakovic talking to Dave Luddy. Finally, Tapapa has revealed it won't be buying a singlet, believed to have been worn by Sir Peter Snell when he won two gold medals at the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. Despite bidding more than $122,000 at an auction last week, the National Museum now says the top isn't authentic and isn't the one worn by Snell when he won the 800 metres and 1500 metres gold medal. Which leaves the obvious question, where is Sir Peter's singlet? Kate Perea-Garcia reports. When Sir Peter Snell crossed the finish line twice in Tokyo more than 50 years ago, he was wearing a black singlet with the number 466 emblazoned across the front. It's that singlet the National Museum thought it was paying $140,000, including the commission, for. But investigations revealed the fabric was cotton, not polyester like the original uniform. Tapapa spokeswoman Kate Camp says it's disappointing. So the day after the auction, one of the curators in our team here raised a question mark about it and we've undertaken quite a bit of uh, extra research and analysis since then. Cordes have been uh, very helpful to us. They've enabled us to take the singlet away and do some further analysis. Tapapa has asked an independent expert to review its acquisition process. In the meantime, the sale has been cancelled and the singlet returned to the seller. The owner of Cordy's auctioneers, Andrew Grigg, says the seller entered the auction in good faith and is devastated. The gentleman who came forward is um, is not that well. Effectively, it's his son that we're selling it for, but it is sort of to be there to raise monies for his father's health. He gave us the provenance and the history and the story that he had with it, which was that he or his son had been given the singlet probably six, seven, maybe eight years ago as 
recognition of his father's sporting achievements. And also, I think there was a little bit of a monetary debt owed. Um, prior to that, no history really known. Cordy's researched some pictures online and looked at the age of the singlet. He says his company is good at smelling a rat, but this was an unusual item. If someone comes in with a big diamond ring, we don't just accept that. You know, We'll take that to a geomologist and we'll get that graded correctly. If a, a gold chain comes in, you know, we can test that it's gold. If a, you know, something rare and unusual comes in, you know, we don't want to be putting anything forward that doesn't end up being what we say it is. Mr Griggs says no one has come forward claiming to have the real singlet. Sir Peter himself can't remember what he did with it. And I don't even know where my Rome was, is. And uh, indeed I have uh, no uh, apparel from the Olympics or British Commonwealth Games left at all. No blazers, no tracksuits, no nothing. So it's all been given away for, uh, for good causes, for ch- these uh, charity auctions. Sir Peter says he'll be having a good look for any of his other running tops. He's considering giving his medals to Te Papa now that he knows they're interested. And wherever that real 1964 singlet is, its owner is sitting on a gold mine. That's extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our email sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.